This is the CU 2.0 podcast with your host, Robert McGarvey. Big new ideas about credit unions. Big new ideas about credit unions. CU 2.0 podcast. Our generous pension plans for credit union executives only for those who work in the biggest institutions, the ones at the billion dollar plus credit unions. Do only the rich get richer? What about the many executives toiling in the thousands of smaller credit unions? Much of the discussion in past shows in this Money Talk series with Kirk Kordaleski has in fact been focused on pension options for the senior most executives at the biggest credit unions. Now for something completely different. In this show, Kordaleski muses on his hopes and plans for bringing meaningful pension options to credit union C-suite executives at much smaller institutions. This is not pie in the sky. These are real, tangible plans that Korolewski is hashing out. He's honest. He's realistic. It's not straightforward to plan meaningful retirement options for executives and credit unions smaller than $100 million in assets. They typically do not have the capital. But even in this case, Korolewski has thoughts on what could happen to bring solid retirement plans to executives in these institutions. He has even more solid ideas about how to fund retirement plans for executives and institutions from $100 million to $500 million in assets. And as for those working at institutions in the $500 million to $1 billion range, there are plenty of options, says Kordaleski. This is a show that's very, very upbeat about helping smaller institutions compete for talent. Because part of competing for talent is compensation. Money talks. That's the name of the series. Money does talk, talks in hiring, talks in retention. Listen up. I sent you that uh, story about a tale of two retirements uh, report from the Institute for Policy Studies, which looked at how top executives at S&P 500 firms have lavish retirement benefits that often are in tax deferred accounts. Uh, whereas most of the employees in their companies, in many cases, about uh, literally a majority of the employees have zero dollars in their 401ks, zero. And, uh, and I was thinking, well, this kind of is similar to credit unions, where the a handful of the senior most executives have pretty good retirement. Actually, I, I think excellent retirement plans, not as good as Fortune 50 retirement plans, right. but good. That's right. Uh, yep. And um, whereas the average teller probably has well close to zero dollars in a four hundred one k. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a, a, a tough comparison when you go. I think to the average teller, um, yeah, it is a you know maybe a better comparison or one that I would make when you're talking about the the more tenured employee that has been there, whether it's manager of the tellers or in a call center or in the loan ops, you know, that have been there for five, seven years, they're going to have probably some of the best 401k matches available in the marketplace. Uh, Credit unions have been uh, on a, you know, we do almost all of our calculations and thinking about what the credit union's philosophy is for compensation, where they want to meet, uh, where they want to pay base, where they want to pay incentives and where they want retirements. In almost all cases at credit unions, there is a stated goal of getting every employee up to about two-thirds to three-quarters, normally the three-quarters, of their final average salary. 
And credit unions are very uh, successful and aggressive in putting in uh, higher matching dollars than for-profit companies in the 401ks in order to uh, build up that retirement fund for those individuals. And they are, uh, at least all the ones I'm associated with or affiliated with, um, aggressive about signing people up for the 401k and training them and getting them active in it. Um, so, you know, I think that, that the, the difference may be tenure and attitude towards the employees and then having a philosophy in place that does it. So in rea- when you look at it, and this is, it's an odd argument, but, but bear with me. In most cases, the credit union execs, they don't get until they get a, a, revitalized or re-implemented supplemental executive retirement plan, sir, they are under, substantially under that percentage uh, replacement ratio uh, of uh, 65% or so of their final average salary. Now, of course, they're substantially different in real dollar terms, right? You know uh, what that means, but it is, um, but it's, it's quite different than in the for-profit uh, or the, the top 50 or 500 company for-profit companies where the executives have all the benefits. In, in reality, credit union boards and the executive teams are very team-oriented, structure retirement plans in a very fair way, and often it's the executives that do not get to the replacement ratio that the staff gets to. Now, you, when you're talking, you're talking about larger credit unions, right? And I, I, I asked because CUNA Mutual told me that I forget the number they gave me, but it was like over half of smaller credit unions. The CEO has no retirement plan. None. Well, yeah. And you know, that's a, that's an interesting subject we can touch on today or, or go into. I've done some research on how to create some options for the smaller credit unions. Oh, good. Let's talk and about working, that, too. Because that's, that's, to me, really and important. And I'm working with a couple smaller ones right now. Uh, and designing plans, and so we can we can go through some of those details. But it is, uh, but CUNY Mutual is absolutely right. A huge problem uh, in retaining talent in that level. So they, you know, just think of it when you don't have any retentive tools, any retirement tools in your bag of tricks, in uh, and, uh, and in your benefit package. It's better words. Um, then anybody that's that really is moving one of those smaller credit unions into success um, is going to get recruited or they're going to move to a much, you know, to a midsize and then to a much larger institution because financially it's just the right thing for, for them and their families. And so if, if you don't solve for this, uh, you know, they, even when you do land that exceptional person that can, can really put the energy into what is the toughest darn job and you can imagine you know you're you're you don't have any executives around you or you have maybe one that has uh skill sets and talent uh the rest you're doing you know some days you're doing a teller's activities and the next day you're reporting to a board and the third you're figuring out what your technology should be or who to partner with in syntax it's a, a very complex job and so those that get it right uh, or, you know, grow their institution and become, 
you know, perfectly suited to find the next institution and move on and get those the benefits that we're talking about. Yeah, I actually, I personally know at least one person who was CEO of a pretty small credit union in California and after a couple of years moved to, he has, he has, he has a good job at a mid-sized credit union that was nearby. He didn't have yeah. to relocate. And, uh, but he's not the CEO. He's um, senior vice president, something like that. He seemed happy as could be. So, yeah, I do so. a lot. I do a fair amount of mentoring and, and other things. And, and if, if I am working with someone of, of that size, credit union, I will tell them that your best move, you have two great moves in front of you. One is to, you know, a, a number one or number two at a $500 million, 300 to $500 million credit union. Or to go in and try to get yourself in a senior position at a billion dollar shop. Because the way to get to become a billion dollar CEO is for being in a billion dollar credit union. It's right. not for being in a $250 million credit And so, you know, that's their model. But in each case, right, it's moving on. Now, do credit unions do a good job of communicating to their their employees? And I, I think you've already said this, they do, about the retirement options available to them. You know, I, again, it, sometimes I am uh, slightly biased by my experiences at larger credit unions, even though I started my career at a, at a much smaller institution. In those days, of course, uh, when we're talking about retirement, everybody still had defined benefit plans. Only about 13% of the market today has defined benefit plans. Yeah, But my experience at mid and larger credit unions is that they do a very good job. Uh, HR, you know, the, the board really believes in the team aspect of every employee. The HR departments work very hard, and the CEOs um, are very uh, supportive of being fair across the line. You know, it's just a whole different type of conversation between what credit unions all the way down the governance structure and for profits think about and how they make decisions and how they treat people. And part of that is that uh, they work hard on very fair retirement packages uh, and communicate them aggressively so people take advantage of it. At least that's my experience. That, that's good because that also suggests there won't be this blowback over how rich the executives are getting. And everybody else is getting nothing. So correct. Yeah, and and you know it's just it's just who credit unions are. Right? They're they're just uh, the boards. If you talk to boards, you know, often in the work that I do on putting in retirement packages for the, you know, there there'll be a lot of questions about how fair this is and how it fits the philosophy of the organization and what members might think about it and all the other reputational issues. And we work hard on you know helping. Uh, the boards and the executives understand, uh, you know, how these, how to calculate this in a way that uh, makes sense for the organization and is fair to everybody that's involved. Yeah, we've talked about this before. I, oftentimes the board members themselves aren't that highly compensated. If you're a teacher or a cop mm -hmm. in Long Island, and you're 50 years old, you're probably making over $100,000 a year, but you're definitely making under $200,000 a year, unless you're... But you know what's interesting about it? And one of the reasons why the, uh, the staff are treated so fairly in the retirement side and other pieces is that most of those board members of that age that you're talking about 
um, and that uh, of the salaries are school teachers and government employees and of businesses that had defined benefit programs. So their retirement is, is pretty strong. In, oh, in their, reti- their retirement is uh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, right. And so I mean, that's, uh, why, that's why they're thinking about this for their teams. I mean, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, so tell me how you can bring retirement plans to the executives in smaller credit unions. And we'll define smaller yeah. as pretty much everything under a billion. Uh, yeah, so I, I think then you have three different segments uh, that that you kind of think about strategic in three different segments for different products that fit uh, those groups. So that's under 250, 250 to 500 million, and 500 million and above. And so let's just start at the bottom. And and you know you're not going to be able to do much in the retirement program. For anyone that's below $75 million in assets. So that's, you know, that, that, that really does determine, uh, as you mentioned about CUNA Mutuals, uh, or CUNA conversation about smaller credit unions. So if you define them as being below $100 million, there's a pro, there, the problem is that you need a portion of net worth that you can allocate or expenses, operational expenses that you can allocate towards retirement programs. And that's problematic, right? So if, uh, if you're talking about that small, then the only thing that we've been able to come up with and think through is if, is there a QSO or would somebody along the framework of the associations, state or federal, or state or national, be interested in setting up a pooling system where uh, larger credit unions would create a pool of funds that would then lend those funds to the executives to have retirement programs and earn an interest back on that loan. Right now, it'd be below market interest. It's a very interesting idea that would have worked in a lower interest rate environment. But there is an opportunity to set up sort of a, a corporate system that might uh, help fund those insurance policies. Because then they would be split dollars. That would be a loan to the executive. That loan would uh, create a policy. That insurance policy would be large enough to pay the executive a benefit and pay back the QSO or uh, credit union, it was just one large credit union, uh, that lent the money to that executive to buy the policy. So I think there's something along there, but that's a lot of work. Um, and as you can imagine, at that size, to get some of the insurance companies, uh, some of the SERP companies like ours, OM, uh, involved in, in these things, uh, you would have to do two things, I think. One, you'd have to proceduralize the process, so you wouldn't have to make you know, humongously long sales cycles to smaller uh, to smaller credit unions boards to help them understand. That's why getting a trade association or something behind it that people trust is, is so essential. Because if you had the same sales cycle that I have for a two billion dollar credit union, um, and you uh, and you know that's going to be six to twelve months, um, you're you know we're we're talking about a uh, a challenge 
to make that uh, scale and, and work. On the other hand, if you if you created a couple three products and you uh, uh, helped have trust in the system through the trusted partners in the trade associations, then you might be able to move this thing through with you know two or three flavors of a particular product, uh, and uh, executives uh, get that benefit and, and be able to stay at that credit union and retire. Uh, I like that idea a lot. I've, I've surfaced it. I've written a white paper on it, uh, but uh, it hasn't gone any place at this time. And uh, under it, 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 it's, that's that's a problem that needs to be solved, Kirk. Because because you know, as I always tell people, the face of the credit union movement is that under hundred million dollar credit union. It's it's not Beth Page. It's certainly not maybe federal. It's uh, it's the it's the small credit union and. If they're if they can't retain really good executives, and probably they can't in many cases. I mean, I've talked to a few CEOs of small credit unions. They're true passionate crusaders, yep. Yep. and they're not there for the money. It's um, then again, they're young. <laughs> well, well, you know, these are people thirty years old. What what would what are they going to think when they're forty five? You know, I don't know. Right. You get worn out by it, man. I've been at a, I, you know, I started at a $25 million credit. You freaking do everything. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's, uh, and you don't get paid for it ultimately. And um, so it's, it's, yeah, as, uh, as I tell people, here's the deal. Out. I mean, you're going to work teller shifts on Saturday when the teller's sick. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, I don't yeah, care man, if you're, you're the CEO. It's, you, right. No, no yeah. one else is available to go do that job. You're going to do it. And you ain't right. gonna get paid overtime for it. It's, uh, right. So so uh, so that's that, that's the the conundrum at the hundred million dollar and below level. Uh, now I'm working with uh, two credit unions in about a, that are 150 million dollars in assets, uh, and I've constructed plans for both of them uh, that are going to work. Uh, and the uh, those plans use. Uh, split dollar because it's an asset; it's not an expense. Because you can you can imagine the challenge of a reasonably uh, productive uh, executive retirement program, and both of these are creating about a fifty thousand dollar tax free retirement plan per year for twenty years for the executives. And approximately, so you put that, what, what's the executive earning? What's the, what's their salary? Approximately. Uh, $250,000. So that's 20% of that, but it's tax-free. It is tax-free. And they are getting, you know, so they're they're getting 401k, right? They're matching up their 401k and social security. So they'll get to about 50% of their final three years average salary. 50, 50, 50. 5 Get 5-0, yeah, 50%. With what the credit union's currently providing them in the 401k match and right. the uh, social security. Um, and so now, you know, now you're talking about, you know, some things that executives can rely on and, uh, and plan their retirement around. Right. You know, and so, uh, so we're able to construct uh, productive plans uh, for credit unions of that size. And uh, now it's, it's typically limited, although one of them, we will be doing two executives, but the, uh, 
it's typically limited to one executive being able to do that because of the net worth uh, cap that the NCUA has that 25% of assets can be allocated towards HR benefits and of which SERPs are a sub sub uh, text of that. Um, so, you know, but, but the po- important point is that they can be done. We can construct them in a way that is uh, not problematic for their liquidity. We can now construct them in a way that has a 20-year loan duration rather than uh, uh, having the loan in place until the executive passes away. Uh, we, uh, we can construct it in ways that the, uh, the executive has an opportunity in five years to get an additional policy to take them more up to the 60, 65% for the final three years average salary. When the credit union grows, when we do some estimations on their growth. So there are ways to, to make it work in those situations vis-a-vis uh, an expense item of, say, of creating a 457F that is an annual expense to the credit union. Uh, and, uh, you know, so are new options and better options available now for that $100 million to $500 million group. Then as you get to $500 million and above, 500 million to a billion, you're now able to do programs for three or more, three or so execs. Closer you get to a billion, the closer you can get it to four or five execs. Um, but you know, now at 500 million, you get a combination of plans that are typically in place. But dollars for the people that you expect to uh, be in either the succession plan or to stay with the organization until their retirement, typically. CEO, CFO, COO, and uh, and then uh, more of uh, long-term incentives or 457Fs for retention for people like the CIO um, and some of the more younger execs, maybe marketing as well. So you know now now you can start picking from a menu. And, and if you think about it, it really kind of follows the same pattern you'd expect. Is that at the lower end you can provide. Uh, programs, but they have to be scalable and pretty uh, definable, one or two options. And then as you get larger, you have more options available and more choices that can meet the needs of your your expenses, your operating uh, expenses, about how much you can manage and liquidity. And then as you get larger, the capital items become less uh, challenging. 25% of capital that you can utilize, there's more money there. And you now get a, a, the same flexibility that uh, the larger credit unions start to get. Well, the market potential here is huge. I mean, basically, if, if, you, if you can create uh, an off-the-shelf retirement package that would work for, say, credit unions under $250 million, where basically anybody can go look at this online and say, oh, I want this. <laughs> and you don't need someone to explain it to you. It's all pretty clear cut. The, the market potential there, I think, is pretty big. And, it uh, is. I think it is, too. Uh, but I, I, I think you're missing, I think you're, the one challenge that, that I would, that are, is what I can't figure out how to overcome. And that is, the, and it's something where we started out earlier. We were talking about retirement programs for all team members and, and the credit unions, the board's view of uh, what's fair and, and what's reputational risk and, and what fits into the credit union model. So if the board situation 
is cumbersome. If it's a normal sales cycle, if it's explaining to nine board members of retirement programs that they they're you're not uh, accustomed to, and uh, then going back and forth on a number of variations about how much it's going to be and and how the loans work and all of those pieces, that's where it, where the market potential runs rock you know runs into the solid wall of scalability because if you have to take six months with each client you can't do a lot of right that's that's why i'm envisioning something that's basically it's 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 basically a a shopping site and you say okay i want that client and uh but but that's why i feel like the trade association somebody that is a trusted group to the board that isn't a vendor kind of needs to advocate for you know what i mean I'm, I'm not really a fan of the uh, credit union trade trade groups. It's uh, yeah. So you know, so that so that's the other balance, right? You know, is that you? It's uh, I think you know, if you were if you had a perfect model, if Kirk had a perfect model, let me put it that way, it would be a, a partnership with CUNA and NAFTU, with CUNA Mutual and a couple other vendors, and we would set up a, a structure to what the programs would provide and we find somewhere some way of of um, sharing the uh, the business otherwise it's never going to get started because no you're never going to convince an insurance company and set of brokers or agents that doing one or two policies a year for a hundred million dollar credit union is the way to go i am passionate about it because of my belief in credit unions, right? And and why I think it's so important to keep those guys around and have the talent that we talked about. But, you know, I'm not the typical guy selling serfs. I, I also think, if you disagree, tell me, but I, I also think that the CEO of a $100 million credit union probably has much higher visibility to members than the CEO of an affinity federal credit union. How many how many members of Affinity actually know John Fenton has retired? Did they even know John Fenton was CEO? Um, I don't think so. Whereas the, the the small institution, you often see the guy or woman in, sure. in increasingly the the woman right? in, in, in they're they're in the branch, which may be the only facility. Or <laughs> right. maybe and, there's and two I mean, or three. They're literally selling. They're really signing off on on anything that's of size. So you know, whether that's a car loan or a mortgage. Right, you know, so it's it's intimate. So if that person moves on to a different institution, many members will feel a loss. Whereas if the mm-hmm. CEO, state employees, or, or Navy Federal re- retires or, moves or, or, on, or or some of those guys that were at Best Page, right? Yeah, you know, they never. You know, it's, it's you know, they they it didn't matter too much of a hoot to the membership of Best Page that I retired and Wayne took over. No, no, it's uh, just the way nature of the business. And uh, well, it's it's also the, the the nature of the job is in a big institution. You're almost definitionally pretty remote from individual members. Much better said than I. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly right. And if you're doing a lot of member glad handing, I'd say, hey, Kirk. I ain't paying the money that you're getting paid to do this. That's right. I could hire someone for a hell of a lot less money, shake hands. <laughs> but, 
So, I mean, you're supposed to be doing the brain work and strategizing. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it's a critical issue for small credit unions. And I think it's important to keep working at, at this because it's, you know, I mean, how many Bill Bynums are there in the world who will throw themselves into, into, into a whole, whole federal credit union? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. God, God love them, and it's great that they exist, but I don't think there's too many of them out there. That's right. And what? And let's talk about the negative aspect of of the situation as well. And that is that if you don't have, let's we're talking about recruitment. Executive retires. Uh, you know, they're they're they've founded the credit union or damn near it, and um, and they're moving on. Board now is looking for a new executive. They don't have any retirement options for it. No one of talent takes on that role unless, like you described earlier, they're very young, which which can be a good bet and, and may work out. Or they really aren't very sophisticated in the business. They are the head teller at that small credit union or the chief lending officer. What does that mean for the business going forward? The changes that we're seeing in fintechs and digital and data. It means likely that that credit union is not going to grow. It's not going to be productive. And that comes down to some way, some in many ways, to the compensation and the um, retirement package that the credit union can provide um, to recruit that new leader. If, if it's not marketable, if it's not market generated, uh, and that credit union's always going to stay small, and eventually, and, and we're uh, seeing in, go in, out of in mergers, NCOA is often saying that, that it was inability to recruit executive talent. Exactly right. And this and it comes it's, down it's to new that I'm seeing this really quite often. It doesn't surprise me. But if you're what it is, right? if you're a fifty million dollar yeah. credit union and you have basically no benefits for the CEO. Right. You know, Obamacare. Right. Yeah, we got a we got Obamacare, man. Everybody has it. <laughs> it's it's uh and it's it stands to reason that that board is having a heck of a difficulty hiring someone with any kind of talent. And you're right, you can promote the head teller and it might work out, but does the head teller have the bandwidth to keep this institution alive in a yep radically changing time but that's the important part is what you just said in a radically changing time it used to be and too many boards that are of smaller credit unions are of all size credit think about it in these terms of when it was 20 or 30 years ago when it really was car loans and checking accounts were fine and before that you know car loans and savings accounts were fine that's not what a credit union is today right it's digital it is mobile it is uh mortgages it's home equities it's all of these sort of full service or damn near full service that you need to get the profitable part of your members business you can't hey. just offer these basic products with that is risk right and compliance and technology and, and uh, channels um, and all of those are individual expertises or at least a very broad and successful general knowledge it, you know, people that learn and read and study and go to conferences uh, for 
the experience and, and are meeting new companies and walking through the exhibit halls trying to figure out what the new products are, you know, that may not be the last head teller, or at least it's a minority of those folks. It, it probably isn't because that head teller is good. The head teller has some skills and retail banking that are very important. But that doesn't mean that they sit around reading Wired magazine at night. <laughs> Correct. It's, that's uh, right. And that's a, such an important point, right? Is that, uh, you know, you the, the, the job of the successful executive is learning and change. And to be motivated to do that, you know, you're putting in lots and lots of hours, exposing yourself to lots of different ideas, talking about those ideas. And even and then once again, if you don't have some of those talents or you're not, you're not, you haven't expanded before you took the role, it's hard at those small cranes because you can't even leave the shop that often to learn. Right. Right. You know, for all the reasons we talk about. So those are all the complexities of it. Part and of it, not even if you can part. leave the shop, which probably you can't because there isn't a lot of staff. The institution right. might not have the budget to send you off to these conferences, all of which, and not all of which, but all, most of which have fees involved plus travel expenses. It's uh, correct. And do, so do they, do they have a spare of five grand to send you off to a three day conference in San Diego? I, I don't know. In many cases, the answer is no. And the answer is no. That's right. Uh, so, you know, it's all of those things. And that's why it's so challenging for the, the smaller than $250 million credit union. But if, so I, I like to think of it this way and, and uh, it's a, maybe a little self-serving, but I think that the, the greatest investment that any organization can do, particularly a credit union, but, but I think it's any organization, is in its leadership talent. Leadership talent, their vision, their values, their execution determines the success of the organization. And so, First and foremost, when an organization is thinking about its future investments, it needs to invest in the people to be able to lead and guide and drive that organization. And part of that is going to be how you compensate and retain those leaders. Um, and if you're not dealing with that, you're going to miss out on the quality of leadership you need to compete in today's marketplace and create real member value. And I, I think. The, the footnote to what you just said is that the quality of the leadership in today's marketplace is there's a demand for ever better leadership because mm -hmm. the comp competition is so so diverse. You know, now you're competing against Venmo. Now you're competing against right. That's right. a crypto company, for heaven's sakes. It's, um, and there's a macro. And you, and you, and you can't deny that. You can't say oh, that's not true, our members don't care. I, I think statistically, there's been a flight of deposits from credit unions into more, let's call it, venturesome uh, investments. And, uh, um, and it's this is just reality. You're competing against all kinds of things. And, and, and you can't forget the macro trend of the baby boomers retiring, right? Yep. So there's a demand for talent on top of that, right? So you, you've got all of those things happening and you have to be thoughtful about your answer. Uh, it, it can't be just a repeat of how you hired the, the current exec from 20 years ago. It's a different world in many, in, in every way that you can think of in retail banking. 
I do wonder how many baby boomer CEOs at credit unions are sitting there saying, man, am I glad I'm, I'm, I'm at or past retirement age because I won't have to learn a damn thing about AI. <laughs> well, so, you know, it, it's interesting, right? There, and I don't know if this is 10% of the population or 50% of the population, but there is 10 or 50%, you, you name the percentage, that are just enthused because of that, right? You know, it's something substantial and it's an opportunity to to evolve and change and learn and figure out things in different ways. But I think the majority um, are, you know, are saying, my gosh, we have faced these all these extraordinary changes in my career and now I've got to adapt to another. Uh, and that is problematic. My One of my theories, and I think we've talked about it, is there's probably five things that are really pushing uh, the number of job openings and uh, the challenges of retention and succession planning, uh, demographics, retirement, uh, but it's also the change in retail banking, retail in total, right? Web-based, non-branch-based. Uh, but then uh, the extraordinary uh, uh, changes in, that are represented by uh, digital transformation and data and business uh, intelligence, AI and ML and AI now, and lastly, uh, the, the significant growth in assets of credit unions has caused a, uh, uh, a big expansion, huge expansion of the C-teams um, that are at the larger institutions. And so you have all of those things gobbling up talent or challenging talent. And so what happens in those situations is in the latter one being, you know, in the when new C-team members come in or the C-team gets shaken up, that's another reason why the CEO starts uh, looking forward to retirement because their their core team that they relied on for years either retired or moved on to another organization. And and uh, those shifts are all disruptive to uh, uh, organizational uh, work and not what typically people at the end of their career want to deal with. Yeah. Well, I do. I, to go back, I, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing that you're beginning to address the uh, retirement needs in smaller institutions. It's, uh, and it's, as you know, better than I do, it's a much trickier problem because the, the multi-billion dollar institutions have the money to create retirement for pretty much all yep. their employees if they choose to do so. Whereas you could go into a hundred million dollar credit union and say, well, you have the money. And they say, look at our books. We don't. <laughs> what are you talking right. about? Yeah, <laughs> Man, right. we're lucky we can pay the electric bill. <laughs> It's and they're kind of telling you the truth. It's yeah, um, that's right. So that's it's, right. it's and all of, so you know there, if if we want to save small credit unions, and and I think we all do, then it, it's not just retirement, right? It's a lot of cooperative, scalable structures that have to be put in place. You we uh, before the call we talked a little bit about QSOs and the creation of OTS and S three at Beth Page. You know, it's those types of, of shared technology platforms and shared backroom operations, shared retirement options. You know, a lot of those things have to be uh, re-thought of and, and reconsidered in the current state of uh, business if the, the smaller and mid-sized institutions are going to be truly competitive. And, you know, those that is a wholly new thinking um, that well, I'm not sure it's a new thinking. It's been around for ages, but 
there, there should be a new priority to that thinking if we really want to help those guys. The CU 2.0 Podcast.